You're tuned into 9 to 5 Work Rebels with your host, Ebony Gale. Hello and welcome to Gems in Comms podcast series special brought to you by 9 to 5 Work Rebels. I am your host, Ebony Gale, and today I'm really excited because I have the lovely Kamika Lake here with me today, who is CEO of Colder. She's also the founder of the Black Comms Network and also lectures at UAL, which is my old university, and also hers, I've just found out. So welcome, <laughs> Kamika. <laughs> oh, thanks, Ebony. Great to be here today. It is lovely to have you on. Now, this podcast series is all about highlighting people of colour working in the PR and communications industry, and essentially giving you guys your flowers to say, like, well done for, you know, finding your way into this industry, but also the trajectory that you have set. So, a well done to you because you have carved out a great career for yourself. Okay. Your name is yeah. definitely ringing within the industry. So <laughs> that is definitely your flowers to you. Okay. So oh, thank you. <laughs> you are more than welcome. So the whole idea, like I said, is to give you your flowers, but also to, you know, take a dip into the journey of what it's like working in commerce. So let's start with you telling me, tell us about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I am Kamikwa. Thanks for the intro, Ebony. Um, most people call me Cam. Um, I have been in the industry maybe about 16, 17 years. It's actually gotten to the point where I've stopped counting, which is a bit scary because I never <laughs> thought I'd get to that point. Um, I started out, yeah, at UAL. So I was at London College of Fashion and I did a fashion promotion degree. So I was one of those weird people that did a PR degree. And then I've worked in-house and agency side, including at Weber Shanwick and H&K, and then my last role was director of comms at Hertz, the car rental company, um, in an international um, comms role. So, yeah, I've got a really sort of broad breadth of experience and someone that just always chases the the learning and the challenge, really. Hence why I've always kind, kind of tried to get experience of lots of different industries. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, so I, all of that experience, I guess, has informed me starting Colder, which yeah. is an inclusive marketing consultancy um, and Black Comms Network too. Which is brilliant. Love it, love it, love it. I'm also a member of the Black Comms Network. Now do join up, people do join up. So tell us now, have you always wanted to work in communications and PR? Is that something that you always wanted to do? So you've done your fashion degree, well, fashion and promotion degree, right? Yeah, no, I, I, to be honest, I have. So when I was at, I can't remember who inspired, I wish I can remember, but I remember sort of when you had to look at careers and I, I came across PR um, and I realized that for me, I felt it was always going to be a good fit because I like the creative side. I like writing. I like meeting people. Um, so whoever did that spiel to me really sold it to me. Hence why I did a PR degree, even though at that time PR degrees really weren't respected. Um, people used to say to me, why did you do that? Um, I just hired my friend down the pub. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I've always loved PR. I've always loved communication. And yeah, my dad always drilled into me the importance of consistency. So I've always done PR and comms. Oh, amazing. So what exactly attracted you to the industry? So you don't remember who inspired you, but what was it that made you say like, this is it, I have to be in this industry? Well, to be honest, well, on paper, PR was the perfect fit. When I went to uni, I felt like an outsider. I felt very different. Um, I was one of three black people on my course and um, and we sort of hung together. And, you know, uh, one of them still like a really firm friend now. 
Um, so it was actually going on to a degree and learning about the industry, particularly from a fashion perspective, I definitely felt my difference and I felt like I was the odd one out. So I did sort of question, do I want to carry on? Um, and in my second year, I started um, interning at Exposure, which I loved. And there was an amazing woman called Michelle, um, who was my manager there. And um, she was an, another like really successful black woman in PR. So like a rarity in terms of just oper- being in that space. Um, so she kept me in. But definitely in my second year, I remember sort of messaging my mum and saying I wanted to quit. Like this wasn't for me. And she's like, there's no way you're quitting. Um, <laughs> so I stayed in it. So I would say that I've, although I always knew I wanted to do PR, my first experience of it wasn't that great. And I wasn't sure it was for me. But because of that piece around just being consistent, um, I've stayed in it and I've, you know, eventually now I do, you know, we do it in our own way. So I've, I've kind of found my own voice um, and taken all the experience I have to do it in a way that I think definitely fits me, but also fits what the industry needs. Oh, cool. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And that's interesting you said that about fashion because I've done a business communications degree and was very much interested in, in different, you know, being creative. But at the time, I was thinking about doing a, um, advertising. But I thought advertising split the creative parts too much, which is why I kind of went down the, the kind of PR comms route. But fashion was interesting because I did do some stints working with some fashion PR agencies, and I didn't like it. I just found it really, um, what's the word? Um, uh, without trying to, like, insult anybody, but I just felt like it was... <laughs> Like they just thought they were above above everyone, and it just gave you that kind of vibe. Yeah. Like I remember trying to bring in a, a a black publication and say, "How about we send some stuff to them?" No, that's not that's not who we want to speak to. That's not our audience. So I just felt like you know they were slighting people, and I didn't really want to be in that kind of environment. Like I, I really loved fashion as well at one point, but that just put me off. So I thought, okay, I still like commons, but I might just navigate something to a different industry. Interesting. Yeah, navigate though. somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. interesting. And no, definitely. I felt around. like the odd one out. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't sample size. Oh, I was exactly. I, I, Yeah, so I couldn't get in terms of all of the freebies and all of that jazz that you get with fashion, I couldn't almost indulge in some of that. Um and yeah, I realized that I love clothes, but I didn't want to talk about them every day. So yeah. um so yeah, I, I moved I knew halfway throughout my degree that I didn't want to be a fashion PR. Mm-hmm. So I started searching for something that was a bit more meaningful, something that was going to be here forever. For me, I was thinking about, I mean, obviously I did not know there was going to be a pandemic, but what was like an industry that would always be around. And so yeah. I started looking at tech or healthcare Yeah. and healthcare found me first, basically. So I went into healthcare for about five, six years. Right. So you were so similar. I went into healthcare as well. Really interesting. But yeah, because I thought fashion was quite elitist. But um, yeah, it just depended on who you worked with, didn't it? So I think now it's, it's definitely yeah. changed. Um, but yeah, I'm still still moving improvement. But okay, I want to tap into a bit of your lived experiences, right? So one of the questions I always ask all my guests is, when did you become aware of your ethnicity? So obviously, we know that we were black people. You know, we are aware of that. But I'm talking about in the outside world. Like for me, it was going to secondary school first year, and then hearing about Chelsea Smilers, and then going up to black and brown people and using the razor to cut them across their face. And obviously, I still knew about slave movies before that, but that was the one that was like, okay, this is in my vicinity, in this country, this is happening. This is kind of like my kind of wake up moment of, okay, this is ridiculous. What about you? Do you know what? It's a really interesting question. I mean, I was used to being, I think I've always been aware. I think that I was used to being the only in a room. Yeah. So, um, 
So yeah, I don't. I find that a really hard question because I'm not actually sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> I remember going. I remember going on holiday. Yeah, like going on holiday to Europe. I right. Think Barcelona or Spain, and someone said something, but I wasn't quite sure. Right. Um. And when I was 14, I went to Finland. Um, with my sister we went we went we had like my gran had a friend there so we went there together just me and my sister by ourselves and I remember everybody staring at us when we got on the bus wow Um, and I still didn't really understand why but I you know felt felt it so yeah it's it's more a case of feeling different and having a different experience a similar um at uni I felt that experience of just difference yeah I don't know if I was I wasn't necessarily adding the two together to say because I'm black but I was thinking my experience of life my understanding like how you live your lives is very different to how I live mine yeah yeah, Um, yeah. and so I really really kind of noticed it then okay well thanks for sharing that and that's quite something because even that feeling of being in Finland and people staring at you obviously you're going to be a bit like well why are we getting stared at this is a bit strange so yeah absolutely but I'm glad you didn't have any primary school situations we've had a few of examples of having you know instances in primary school that made people acutely aware so that's interesting so 14 that's not too bad I was about 11 so that's not too bad (laughs) I think (laughs) because the schools I went to I went to I grew up in West London um there was quite a lot of black children in my like primary school like in terms of the community where I grew up and then when I was in secondary school, everyone, it was quite a lot of mixed race people or people from different backgrounds. Yeah. So I just think we didn't, we just sort of banded together, but yeah. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't necessarily a thing that we all talked about or we really yeah. noticed from that perspective. But yeah. we just knew that our lived experience was different. The things we were into were different. How we spent our weekends were different. They're different. Yeah, absolutely. It's like for us going home in a week and it's like being at a little Caribbean, you know, and then you come back into the normal world is what I'd say that's how I used to look at it but yeah good points though interesting and like you said at school I, I was the same like very mixed school so that came about of conversation of people saying well this is what's happening in the industry in the area so be careful and that's when it was like whoa okay this is a bit much so interesting but yeah everybody finds that question very interesting and I love it because everyone's experiences are so different and it just yeah. helps to illustrate you know all our different lived experiences so have you ever felt like your race, ethnicity has held you back in your career at all? Or, and have you experienced or witnessed racism in the workplace? And if you have, how was it handled? Kind of so I talked a lot about this in a piece that I wrote in 2020 in terms yeah. of, I guess it was my realisation. I've had lots of experiences where I've definitely, I've definitely felt like I've been held back right. or... The rules have changed when I've entered into the space. Yeah. So I think I talked about an example where um, a colleague was earning 10K more than me um, and in a in a in the next level up. And then when I came to be doing that role, apparently it wasn't worth the same amount, which was the feedback wow. I got on. And so I should be paid less. Um, so there's, there's definitely been incidences like that where yeah. there's not been that equity or parity. Yeah. Um, me in terms of doing my role um I, I really struggled to get to director um I'd have like you know CMOs or people that I work with saying you're nearly there you're nearly there you're mm-hmm. gonna get there but for whatever reason even though I was doing the job working in that way you know advising a board um actually working well above my level I mm-hmm. just couldn't get there yeah. um so but you know I eventually was a director at Hertz and that was a really um really great role but yeah so there's definitely been inc- incidences where 
for whatever reason, I couldn't prove myself. And now, like, running my own agency, I'm in a lot of the rooms that I wasn't allowed to be in or wasn't senior enough to be in, Yeah. Um, despite having the, the credentials to be there. So I can definitely see it now sort of doing my own thing. Yeah. That I was held back when I was in those roles. But I think to add to that, um, I've got a son, my son's 16, so I couldn't do all of the socializing and everything that happens, you know, in industry, all of the kind of side conversations, the yeah. relationships you build, which often help with kind of pay and promotion and how you're seen. I would be rushing off to the childminder or rushing to pick my son up or anything like that. So I think it's a combination probably of being um, a mum mm-hmm. and also being a black woman. In the industry. Yeah, I could completely relate to that too. Absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, thanks for doing that. It's a good, very good point support out there now um when you say you you've obviously you become aware of some of the maybe racist or microaggressions that's happened in Korea um how was it handled so say for example when you wanted to get the promotion you know you kept getting pushed back obviously did you kind of go out and to move up and was it actually how I'm dealt with in the organization or they just kept kind of like covering over and making excuses as to why do you know what I think the most I mean when I found that out in that situation, I literally burst into tears um, and no one could understand why I was in tears. And it was like it was it wasn't even about the money per se. I just couldn't believe that the rules could change when it was sort of my turn. Yeah. Um, but I think what was really important was just allies in that space. And, you know, I always say for me, I don't really like the term allies, but, you know, it is people that sort of support you in the industry. Um, and although I think allyship is imperfect, so one ally might be great for one thing and another ally might be great for another thing, having those conversations, the fact that I knew what my um, what the other person was on, for example, to even be able to have that conversation was really important. Yeah. You know, salaries and things are often things that we don't talk about. Oh, it's, yeah. very, you know, it's a very British way not to really discuss those things. Yeah. So it was about forming the right relationships, having really open conversations, but also allies coming to support me um so definitely in those challenging times that's what's really worked well um and then I think yeah in terms of getting that senior promotion I did I ended up leaving to to get that promotion that I really wanted working with a career coach to support me in terms of how you set how to sell myself in the best possible way yeah uh, rewriting my CV you know all of those kind of things that again you're just not necessarily aware of how much difference they make um but that really supported me in terms of yeah finding my way brilliant thank you so much for showing that and that's so important and just to plug that you know black comms network do help you you know in your career strictly don't you guys you can connect you to coaches and things like that so always good um so going back to kind of the workplace was there ever a time that you feel like you wish you kind of spoke up about something or a time when you did self-advocate you know or maybe want to self-advocate for somebody else you know what I think when I was junior there were probably lots of little things that are happening but I was so focused on just you know like I said having um a a child I had to get my work done in the hours that I had to get them get it done or and then follow up when he was asleep so I didn't even have a chance to think about half of what I might be going through why I might be discriminated against why I might be held back simply because my I just I didn't have the scope I didn't have the brain space yeah to even think about that but I think by the time I did and I was more aware I spoke up for myself like you know I was just like actually that's not cool somebody touched my hair I would say it's not cool or 
if somebody you know because I, and, I would, and I would make I'd give examples I'd just say you know such and such over there's got purple hair you didn't touch his hair so how come you're touching mine yeah and you know just give really tangible examples of yeah. so people can see their behavior or you know if I came in with my braids up and um, on top of my head and someone said oh you look really regal today and you just be like really well, you know, and I, so I'd rather be, maybe be sub, sometimes sarcastic. I'd almost just trying to work out when is this a call out moment? When is this a call in? Like if somebody is really saying something that is not cool, mm-hmm. um, if I didn't feel like I could advocate for myself, I would definitely speak to my, you know, line manager. And I've been, I was fortunate when I was in house to have really like a good line manager that really supported me and sort of understood my experience. Um, but other times... Yeah, other times I, I I was silent. I didn't say anything. Definitely when I was in agency, certain things would happen or clients were would say challenging things or and, you know, I'd feel like nobody was supporting me and I would literally just, yeah, I'd be crying in the toilet. So I've had a mixed bag of experiences, yeah. but definitely the more senior I've got become, the less I care. Like, I'm just like, actually, that's not cool. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I think that's a good point, though. I feel like as you grow up within the industry and you find your voice more, don't you? But I think that's yeah. great that you were always like willing to push back because, like you said, at junior levels, I remember being at junior level and dealing with certain instances and not being able to deal with it at the time because you know you just feel a bit out of it, don't you? Like, well, this is a bit uncomfortable. You're not in your comfort zone. You know, you're not necessarily being welcomed by people in the way that you might want to be. So you've got to navigate that. So I think that's really great advice for anyone who's listening and potentially going through any issues, you know, that just take your time and try to speak up where you can and definitely try to find support, I'd say, wouldn't you? Because it's so interesting. Yeah. So many of us have had that incidence of just being in the toilets crying. Like, I'm sure there's a load of us that could be like, anybody been in the toilets crying because of some work issues would be like, yeah, you know, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot. Yeah, but, I know. And it's like, you don't almost want to be the cliche but yeah it's it's definitely experience. you know agency life is hard like PR is hard it's hard yeah um and there's a myriad of reasons and you're all everybody's competing um you're trying to get up you know up the ladder yeah uh, you're trying to raise your game you're trying to raise your salary so there are so many things going on and then if you're a minority in some sense as well and whatever yeah. that might look like for you it just adds that extra pressure yeah. Um, so I do think as a whole, you know, agency life is is really hard. Mm-hmm. And then if you do add race or being a woman or, you know, for, for so many groups, um, it's, it's even harder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you found agency life maybe harder than in-house, would you say? Because I think it depends where you are in-house. You it depends where you are. A really crap experience in-house as well, depending on who you're around and, you know, what kind of management and who's helping you to kind of flourish or hindering it it's all it's all about structure it is and it's all about the people that you work with yeah like, I've been in-house and been given space to be me to be myself like I was hired because I had the expertise and I was left to run with it yeah um I've also been in-house you know I started in-house so I was a junior like a PR exec in-house and I had a really good experience right I thought I need to get agency experience so I left in-house um but yeah generally my in-house experiences have been good I think sometimes it's tough depending on the organization yeah and the structure and whether the PR and comms function is valued that is key place. that is so key it's like is it actually part of the you know is it valued is it at the top table uh who's managing it and how do they see you within that because it's all about people as well structures of people people. essentially because I've worked in organizations where everything's running really nicely and then one person moves out somebody comes in and it changes the whole dynamic (laughs) completely and it's like are you serious like one person you know they say one bad apple it is yeah 
It yeah. is absolutely true. So yeah, I completely agree with you on that. So I wanted to kind of move slightly into code switching. You know, so do you feel like uh, people of colour can actually lead with our authentic voices in the workplace or will we be, or will we be forever code switching? Do you know what? I think it's changing. Okay. I like I, I you know I've always been told I speak quite well yeah. and I think that's a lot to do with my upbringing even before I entered the workplace right in terms of my mom would be like you say it like this you do you know it's, yeah, it was almost a bit of a how yeah. a home training in yes. terms of how you speak uh not to say that you know my my son definitely says to me I've got a telephone voice so not to say that <laughs> I don't kind of code switch um yeah. at times or it's not emphasized at times but I think I think it was more of an issue before not that it's not an issue now but I speak to so many so much more of a variety of black people and that's what I mean there's like so much more variety I don't think everyone's fit in the mold I think in the corporate space absolutely people are still like there's a way and that whole piece around what is professional what does that look like still really rings true um but in the more sort of culture marketing spaces in the more consumer spaces um people are yeah I think black people are being more themselves um which I think is great to see like it's just great to see the breadth of people like wearing what they want talking how they want to talk um bringing them their full selves to work albeit I don't think everyone wants to bring their full selves to work yeah yeah, yeah. and therefore that professional or code switching is actually like a comfort space because you don't need to go into what you might have done on the weekend or, you know, what yeah. your difference is. So yeah. I think that everybody should be able to just choose. I don't think you should feel like you have to code switch. But, yeah, not everyone. I've got um, Addy always says um, that, you know, not everybody wants to bring their full self to work, and I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that's very true. And then we've had a few people say that as well. Not, not everybody can bring their full self. And I think you're, like, you're right. It does depend on where you are. Because I personally still feel like there's still an element of code switching that has to be done. Because even you said like a telephone voice, like, you know, we naturally just go into a certain <laughs> tone and vibe, yeah. you know, and I've had that. I've had people say to me, you speak well. I've had um, someone say to me that, you know, they thought they were shocked when they asked me my name. And I said, oh, it's Ebony. Oh, my God, are you coloured? I had that. Okay. <laughs> no. yeah, I had that. You speak so well. You speak, you know, that's what I had. And it's just like, really? You know, so, um, yeah, I get it. But I still think there's an element that we're going to have to. And I don't, like you said, not everyone has to bring your own self, your full yeah. self to work if you don't want to. Absolutely. I think as well the, the there's just such a diversity of blackness, like depending on where you you've where grown you, up, yeah, exactly, and also like yeah, who you are. So I I almost think there just should be more room yes. to be where you are. Like for me now, again, like running colder, I am closest to who I am. Like there's not that much difference Same. to how you're seeing me now to yes. how my friends see me. Um, I might make slightly different jokes, or you know, absolutely, but, of course. Yeah, it's like, to going but on. in terms of like how I talk and things like that, yeah. like there's not that much difference, really. Same, but I also think that's because both of us work for ourselves. Yeah, and I feel like actually when you work for yourself, you're like, well, this is me. This is yeah, this, this is, is me. How I'm presenting myself. Too much trouble to be someone else, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's way too much trouble to put on different hats and masks, you know. So yeah, I get you on that completely. All right, so allyship now you touched on this before so I wanted to get an example your thoughts basically on allyship and what it means for you like what's an, a really good example of allyship I know you don't like the term <laughs> I don't like the term because it's just a bit uh, but um yeah like I said I've had definitely had allies in my career but like right. I say it's just for me allyship it may, sometimes it sounds it sounds like it's a perfection mm. you know you're, you're striving for perfection or you're someone that's perfect in it Right. And I think it's much more complicated than that. 
And like I've had different allies who've advocated for me or supported me on different things, but then maybe not been, you know, when that ally hasn't supported me in one thing, I might have gone to a different ally to support in this within the same workplace. Right. And that's just because, you know, it, you know, and I, I use that example in terms of, yeah, again, like seeking a pay rise. My line manager, who was a great ally, um, sort of capped what I could earn. And then another ally was actually like, no, we're absolutely fine to give you yeah. what you're asking for. So, you know, I've, I've had it in that situation. I've also had it in situations where I've been overlooked or, you know, there's been there was a time when, you know, a CEO just sort of couldn't see me as the head of the team, even though I was the head of the team, would congratulate all of my team members and not me. Wow. And then I'd bring that to a line manager, my line manager at the time. And I said, you know, I'm not sure what's going on here. There's something going on, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Then it happened again. And then he absolutely sort of emailed the CEO straight away and said, like, why have you not? you know cam is part of like the head of the team so yeah. like, why have you not mentioned her etc cetera, etc cetera. so i've definitely had like good allies and i think they play an important role but yeah. sometimes an ally is just someone who gives you space like yeah i think sometimes you underestimate how much of this kind of equity for black professionals is just making space for us yeah. it's not always about training it's not always about a mentor it's not you know sometimes it's just like give us room exactly that's such a good <laughs> um, point such and I think that gets overlooked in terms of people thinking about how they can be a good ally. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, thank you. That's a really good point. All right, moving slightly off of that into more about you, of course, and what motivates and inspires you to keep going? As I was saying to you before, I I have tried to not be such a busy person, but I think I quite enjoy being busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in terms of my motivations... Definitely, like my son motivates me. I know that he watches everything that I do, so um, it's really important for me that I'm like a role model and show yeah. him. I show him different ways. I'm also just motivated by, you know, as I've again gotten older, more so around legacy and making a difference. Yeah. Like, absolutely, it is about you know advocating, talking to the industry about what it needs to do differently. But it's also very, very personal to me in terms of how, how can I make sure I run a, an inclusive agency? How can I make sure I'm advocating for like you know young talent, black talent, like different groups of people that don't always get a seat at the table? So, yeah, in the last couple of years, it's been much more about my personal role in making a difference where I can like and and for me it doesn't have to be a lofty like massive goal and hence why black comms network is black comms mm. because it's like okay what role can we do in comms if we can do more then great but yeah just like making using the tools that I have to make a difference a difference oh that's nice I think that's really lovely so on your journey what did you find most challenging so far <sighs> I'm trying to think. <laughs> you know, you know what? Having um yeah, being a mum has been challenging. Yeah. Um definitely. I definitely see a lot of my friends now who've got younger children uh, and just like I don't know how you did this like before. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think that being a mum in the comms industry, I think it's they're making it a little a little bit easier. There's now more, they are. Like, regulation. There's more of, a, you know, there's different organisations like Women in PR who are really focusing on like the challenges that women face. But yeah. when I started out, that wasn't there. Like the fact that I could have a laptop to take home was like a massive deal. I mean, I love the agency that let me do that, but 
um, it was a big deal to sort of fight for that, to say, look, I can't do all of my work. We know that it's not a nine to five job, but Mm -hmm. I need to do nine to five hours in the office. And I need you to give me a laptop in the evening so I can catch up or do whatever else I need to do. to And sort of having to lobby for that. So definitely throughout and, you know, even going from like an agency outside of London to work into an agency in London and having to, again, like lobby for hours, be able to leave earlier on a Monday, like all of that logistics around just trying to be um, a good PR pro was probably really, really challenging. I mean, now he's older. We are out of the woods um, from that perspective. Yeah. But that's definitely a challenge now. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's so important to share as well. And the fact that the industry has changed a lot. I have some of my own stories around that. So, yeah, I completely get that, being a young mum trying to navigate and, you know, you want to be the best you can be and you also want to be the best you can be at the workplace as well. So that is very challenging at times. So well done for you for sharing. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I want to get on to um, employment. So whilst you are self-employed, you know, much like myself, so it's very different. But for those that are thinking with your kind of hat on as an employee, you know, what would you want from your employer at this point in time now, now that you've kind of gone through your career journey, what kind of things would you want from your employer? Uh, I think ultimately the industry needs to be more people centric. It is not, it does a lot. It talks a lot about being people centric, but it's really about the bottom line and people driving the numbers or driving, yeah, driving the bottom line. I think there are definitely some agencies who are starting to move more into that space. But, you know, the fact that a lot of PR agencies don't have HR departments, don't don't have functions and support for people um, in a, in a, you know, in an industry that is, can be really challenging you know, it's difficult. So, you know, it's definitely looking at ways, like speaking to your people and really understanding what it is they want to support them, which isn't always alcohol and pizza um, (laughs) in terms of how they're actually going to get through their day to day. Yeah. So I think, yeah. And and so that's why I talk to whether that is a mum or a young person or, you know, like what, what does that look like in terms of equity and really help supporting them? I think that we're all expected to be managers, but not everybody actually learns how to be a manager. So true. What does line management actually look like? Are you actually investing in helping people to manage other people's careers, essentially? Yeah. Um, and also their, you know, not well-being, but making sure they're okay. Yeah, how do you bring out about the best in people, essentially? Yeah, so you often skip over it. We think of it as a promotion to manager, and then now yeah. you're suddenly managing people. Yeah. But I don't always think the support is offered. Yeah, yeah. So I think point. the right training and support at each level so that people can you know can really be a team and can really work together brilliant thank you so much so what are your thoughts in terms of what makes a good working environment it's much the same as what I said just before in terms of a good working environment it's understanding your team and what it is they need I think you know there's been so much back and forth about hybrid working does it work does it not should we be doing it should we not you know, ask your people, they will give you the answer. Exactly. And, <laughs> and the pandemic happened. Like, what is all this talk about? We did it. There's no excuse for yeah, that. Yeah, we did it. You know. Yeah, we know it works. It's just, is that what your people want? Now, exactly. I've got team members who, you know, really like a mix of working from home. I've got mm. team members who prefer to work in the office. Yeah. So it's about us as an employer making sure that is available um, yeah. to people so that they can work in the best possible way. I definitely think junior team members tend to prefer working in the office because I think it's easier 
um, to learn from different yeah. people and understand what's going on. But also they might have different living situations, um, just like you know, just like anyone else, um, and prefer to be out of the office. So I think it's just about yeah, understanding how people want to work. Exactly. Um, less debates, more just ask your people, and you'll yeah. find the answer. <laughs> I just think because we're we're like PR professionals, so I just think we just get caught up in talking a lot. I'm just like, seriously, can we just get to the point here? Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I wanted to ask you more about um, the diversity side of things. So, what does diversity, equity, and inclusion look like for you? So, for me, um, I think yeah, in the work that we do at Colder, it's much more about equity. Which yes. is great to see so many more people using equity rather than equality. Yes. And then it's about what does that look like for each person if you're talking about it in an organization? Um, what is fair? What is equitable? What does each person need? You know, absolutely, there's core training that everybody needs, but is there something specific somebody needs in the team? And can you offer it? How can you support them? So it is it is more people-centric, really. That's what yeah. diversity inclusion means to me. It's like centering people um and understanding what they need and being really open and transparent about what you can do and what you can't do it's not about necessarily providing everything um because there's always limitations yeah but it's at least trying to understand what you can do um yeah. to support people in terms of that equity piece diversity i guess is the obvious one mm. nobody wants to be a token no one wants to yeah you know, you don't want to fall into that performative space. So you've got to really be about it if you are about it. And if you are going to have different people from different organizations um, working with you, then, yeah, you need to make sure you're prime in that environment. And, you know, I, I think we see this written all of the time, but it's really understanding what does that mean? Mm. And and how can you make sure that, yeah, everybody feels safe, like psychologically safe and can actually come to work each day, whether yeah. that's come to work in an office or coming to work at a screen in the living room yeah absolutely yeah good point thank you for that now I want to get back into a bit of your proudest moments now okay we're gonna step <laughs> into that so I want you to tell us about your proudest moment it can be work or personal and you can also share like a, a career highlight as well what has been a career highlight for you I mean a career highlight is definitely launching colder I yeah. remember when we launched I was um and ahhing about whether to like send a press release out or not do I want the pressure and um, do I want the eyes or not will anyone even pick it up um and we launched and then the next day I think we signed Oliver Bonus and oh, so amazing. that was a real sort of just proud yeah. moment in terms of yeah somebody believes in what we're saying we're what trying to do Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so um so I think colder there's highs and lows but definitely each day there's something to be a bit proud of if I like at least allow myself to stop and think about it yeah absolutely. um I think yeah like my son like I said he's at GCSEs now so I'm really just watching him evolve into a man and trying yeah. to um, <laughs> trying to go along that journey um with him um that's nice yeah I'm, I'm I guess I'm proud of just where I am now yeah, absolutely you should be it, it's been it's not, not been easy and I'm not finished but I think just trying to enjoy more of those smaller moments yeah brilliant and can I add to your proud moment I know it's your proud moment but you should be adding black comms networking yeah I am that. very proud of okay. black comms <laughs> is the baby that gets looked after only in the evening times yeah which your voluntary but, uh, stuff I know you, you do it literally voluntary but I think it's amazing though it's yeah that you created that it's a great space 
Yeah, it's a great space. And, you know, there's an amazing team of people that just jump in at different points in time. I have to absolutely shout out Addy and Tarita because they've been like believing in this thing with me since the very beginning. Um, and we've got 200 members now. So it's it is brilliant. it's definitely evolving. We're trying to make sure we're listening to what members need. Um, and yeah, and, and give as much to it as we can, albeit it's not their day job. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. So uh, a question about the industry in terms of what are your thoughts on the industry and how it will evolve over the next kind of few years? Because, you know, there's so much changing anyway. So what are your thoughts around that? Do you think DAI will drop off a bit more? Well, no, I think it will get pushed up more. We just have different focuses every so often. I think that's what happens with DEI. I think the industry needs to, like, really embrace the younger generation and let them in. Yeah. And let them change it the way that it needs change. Absolutely, you need a mix of kind of senior pros. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like professionalizing PR. And it's like PR is just not rocket science. Like we can have lots of different people from different who have different, different backgrounds. When I say, yeah, different walks of life, like different backgrounds, but also just with different experience. Yeah. It makes it such a much a much more rich experience for the person working for the pro and yeah. for the work that we produce. Yeah. So I just think the old school way of thinking needs to change. Yeah. Like the principles of being a good PR and comms pro are never going to change. But I mm-hmm. think the people that can support us in bringing this industry, you know, um, where it needs to get to is going to change and we need to embrace it. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I do think it's about letting a lot of the younger blood in you know, new life into it as well. And not, like you said, gatekeeping it to that extent. It's like, we don't need to have people from, you know, red brick universities all the time, you know. How about you go and, you know, look a bit closer to home, you know? Like, there's loads of different ways of looking at it and look at experience. Not everybody wants to go to university. Doesn't mean that they're not creative and they don't have things to add to the industry. So, yeah, I completely yeah. agree with you on that. Absolutely. I think that's so, important. And I also think it's making sure, like, I always said I didn't want to be, like, an old PR which I know sounds like a bad thing to say (laughs) but equally I think you know there's so many different companies who are encouraging like retirees and encouraging you know like different people into the workplace Mm. so I equally think it's just about breadth of people yeah absolutely experience yeah it it will really just improve the output yeah I agree with you on that so what kind of key lessons have you learned throughout your journey that you'd be happy to share with some of our listeners? So I definitely, like for me, network. I always say it, um, if you've ever listened to me talk, like I didn't realise how, like just how much, I've always known your network's really important. Yeah. But it's really, really important. And <laughs> building that network of different people following your voices just because we are you know as black people we're minorities it's still really important for us to hear different voices absolutely um so we often talk about white you know white and black or you know white experience the black experience um but I think it's just really important for us to like make sure we're broadening our horizons as well Mm -hmm. understanding different perspectives and yeah having a broad network of different people has been invaluable to me whether that's been on the client side, whether that's been on the advice side, whether that's like, I need X, Y, Z, or do you know a lawyer or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, you, you need people. Like. Absolutely. So I think that's my definitely number one. And number two, I think it's easy, easier said than done. It's easy for me to say now. I know we sort of spoke about it earlier in terms of like, 
once you find your voice. I mean, now I found my voice. I probably don't shut up about enough. But, <laughs> um, yeah, find your voice and yeah, be really comfortable. You know, try to be as comfortable in your skin as you can because yeah. that difference, that voice is really important. Yeah, absolutely. So, so important. And then, so what advice would you give to young people of colour considering entering the industry itself? I think the biggest thing, I mean, I guess it doesn't just work for young people of colour, but for young people more broadly is like, yeah, it's to that point around expanding your network, like follow people on LinkedIn, add people on LinkedIn, you know, like just tap into as much as you can. And, you know, even like with the network, you know, there's 200 of us now. I don't know every single person personally, but yeah, I'd say the the vast majority are really, you know, the DMs are open. People want to mentor, particularly people that have been in the industry, you know, four or five years and above, are really open to supporting people and supporting um, young people coming up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just try and find your tribe, but try and find your tribe online. Um, and then I think, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, you know, it's not easy anyway. It's not an easy industry anyway if you're choosing this space. Um, but yeah, just try and find your tribe and um, and lean on them as much as you can. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And on to uh, mindset. I want to get your thoughts around mindset because, you know, I feel like it's very important that we are taking care of our well-being. So how do you deal with the kind of internal mindset war? You know, how do you manage the kind of self-admitting beliefs? It's really hard. I mean most recently what I've been practicing is um stopping certain thoughts mm-hmm. so when they sort of creep up and it's like a you know something yeah a limiting belief or something negative um just stopping it in its track mm-hmm. and not going there with the thought just because I might have a bit of time on my hands or I haven't got time on my hands um with that thought so I've tried to be just set boundaries within myself yeah uh in terms of the thoughts that I'm gonna go along with and really you know because before I would just let them you know wave over me and sort of keep them yeah and then really interrogate if they're true even though there's no basis for them to be true whereas now I'm just like actually no that's nonsense I still think yeah I still struggle with it I think you know imposter syndrome am I good enough am I I I, I oscillate between am I doing and I'm not doing enough to I'm doing too much (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely don't think I found that balance yet um but yeah, that that's the the main thing I do at the moment, and yeah, I try to make sure I read a little bit more, although I'm not great at it, and um, not just consuming social media, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, um, all the time is again something I'm really trying to do. Well, that's good, and it's 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 so true. The point about having to stop the the thoughts that's the key to it, really, or just to remind yourself that actually. This is nonsense. Why am I even thinking this? Do you know what I mean? Like your, your mind just goes off and you can just, like you said, it's, <laughs> it's difficult, but you do have to kind of remind yourself, actually, no, I'm fine. And sometimes I do things where I even reaffirm, no, I've done this and I've done that. Oh yeah, I'm okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, just to kind of reaffirm, but I feel like self-limiting beliefs and that m- internal mindset war is just part of our journey as human beings and we've just got to get better at managing it. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's really cool. And then uh, it's coming to our kind of wrapping up questions, right? So I've only got a couple more left. So looking back on your journey, would you do it all over again? Yeah. 
Yeah, I would do it all over again because I've only ever done PR and comms, which it sounds really boring. But um, no, it doesn't. Hello. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I probably would do it all again. Like I don't really have any regrets. Um, I mean, it depends on your mindset again because I, you know, the way I was brought up, my mum was very like, pull your socks up, get on with it. You know, it's not going to be easy. So. I think there's pros and cons of that, but I think ultimately all of those sort of challenges have have helped me in one way or another in terms of where I'm at now. So obviously there are certain experiences I wouldn't like to go through and less times crying than toilets, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, it has definitely thickened my skin and and helped me hone my voice and help me to have experience. You need experience. like Yeah you need experience in life I'm not saying I want you'd always want less bad experiences but I think experience makes you it is it is they all create who you are to be they so I'm glad that you wouldn't change anything that's always good so a question that I like to ask quite funny sometimes which is uh what's the best and the worst advice you've been given in your career <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question the best advice oh I don't know I mean, I've been given lots of advice. I mean, probably, it's probably from my dad. He's just very much like, find something you're good at and stick to it. Okay. Well, that's so that consists, because I can be, I think, my mum's really artistic, my dad's really consistent, and I can be quite artistic in yeah. my approach to things. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that consistency, that is probably something I me and my sister sort of live by like find something you get at stick to it like and stick to it they stay, stay the course yeah um in terms of bad advice I mean not necessarily bad advice but oftentimes you, I've heard a different difficult points like equally that consistency point but it doesn't always mean you have to stay somewhere where it's not right for you to stay yeah, yeah. so sometimes it's like oh it's fine it will get better and it's like actually no it won't get better yeah yeah sort of knowing you. when it won't get better and it's really time for you to move to your next thing yeah absolutely that's a good point actually that's a very key point because you can be like because I'm stubborn sometimes as well you know just like, no just keep going you know you've been like no, actually there's a time where you've got to be like okay just leave it where it is so no I get yeah. it I completely agree with you on that one and lastly do you have any rules that you've implemented along your career journey that you'll be happy to share? Like one of my rules used to be when I was in, an employee is always, you know, if I wasn't going to get promoted within, then I would happily move out to go for what I wanted. You know, like don't just stay there, you know, just, you know, find another path essentially and keep it moving. Oh, interesting. Um... I mean, I had when I was yeah when I was climbing the career ladder. I was very focused on climbing the career ladder, so it was about I, I wasn't really making sideways moves. It always mm -hmm. needed to feel like a jump up. Okay. Um, and I probably set myself rules around what that salary need to be and and all of that, which was really important at the time. But actually, when I divorced myself from that and like my self-worth as a person I was mm -hmm. much happier, happier. So, yeah I think there are rules that I have followed yeah um but actually that the freedom that comes with not looking at things me looking at that in that way was much better for me okay, okay <laughs> because okay. before it was like if I'm not this by this time you know I'm, you're always looking sideways and thinking yeah that person's at this level and that person's at that level and why am I not there yeah um but yeah, once I sort of separated the two, I felt just a bit more ease. 
I heard that you took the pressure off yourself. I said, yeah, you? yeah, you put a lot on yourself. Well, that's good though. So essentially, you're saying not to put too much pressure on yourself on your journey. Yeah, not right? to put too much pressure on yourself. And not everybody has straightforward careers. Sometimes this is it is a squiggly career, as they yeah. say. So you've got to. Yeah, I think sometimes yeah, you need so, rules are important, but rules are made to be broken. In some yeah. Way. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And thank you for coming on to the podcast and showing your experience with us. Very much enjoyed having you here. So if anyone wants to connect with you, where can they find you? Time to plug yourself. I am on LinkedIn. Um, I think I'm forward slash Kamikwa. Um, I'm on Instagram forward uh, Kamikwa Lake. So yeah, just come and find me. Perfect. I'm so not that hard to find, really. Not, no. You <laughs> I'm normally at a Black Poms event <laughs> yes. um, if you need me. Um, but yeah, I'm around. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks so much, Cam. It's been lovely to have you. Okay. And for all those tuned in, stay tuned in. It's been wonderful speaking to Cam, who is the CEO of Colder, but also founder of Black Comms Network and a lecturer at UAL. Now, uh, you guys, thank you for staying tuned. I will be back again soon with some more wonderful people from the world of comms and PR. So stay tuned and thanks for tuning.